Hello and welcome everyone to Eyes on the Mize. It is episode 10. We made it to double digits, Ian. Yeah! Uh, my name is John. I'm one of your hosts. Joining me on the line is Ian. How are you, Ian? Good. We did the thing. We did, we a did thing. the thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is episode 10. We'll get into the title in a moment, but we're going to go ahead and start with some eyes on the community because, Ian, something amazing happened over the weekend. Oh my gosh. It was so good. All right. So we had a Grand Prix. In the Great White North, but not quite white because, you know, it's springtime. Anyway, it was in Toronto, and it was standard, as like you do with most of the GPs, which is great because standard right now is so good. Standard's very good right now. We've talked about standard like the last couple podcasts. It's kind of ridiculous, but... It's been the only thing happening recently, but go on. Tell us what happened. Who cares? It's good. Anyway, so we had a rookie, and by rookie, we mean this is his first Grand Prix. Ever. Ever. He went 15 and 0 in the Swiss. Now, no buys. You see, now, yeah, that's the thing. He was a rookie, so there's no buys. Usually, like you hear, oh, they they uh, they went 15 0 in the in the in the Swiss. Like it's some pro or whatever like that who had two or three buys, so they technically went like 13 and 0. He had 45 match points, straight up the natural 15 and 0 on basically his own take of white black mid range control. Just say no. Yeah, the deck is very interesting. It has a lot of ones and twos and threes. And the debate is whether or not this is the final list or if he's more like, you know what? I want to try two secure the waste this week. No, maybe it's three languishes. It's a very interesting, you know, mishmash of what cards they're supposed to be looking for. It, yeah, it seems like he's testing. I mean, he has like one grasp of darkness, one spatial contortion. Where like most other decks would be like, I'm just gonna play two spatial contor- or two grasp of darkness as the minus four minus four instead of that. But I mean, it gives some other cards in his deck actually a combat trick. So it's kind of weird how that works. Yeah. So, um, but no, for most part, it was a great deck. It was a great run. He unfortunately ran into. It was Coco, right? Uh, I believe so. No, I, was, I missed that. Was, topic. I think it was green white. I think it was green white tokens. Did he run into John Stern? Mm, yes. By yeah. The way, he by the way, yeah, have, he we ran, his, no. have we said his name? No, no. His name's Josh Bootenhouse. So Josh Bootenhouse. Yes. Big Sorry. high fives to you, Josh. Big high. You, yeah. You he went. He ran into John Stern yeah. uh, on green white tokens. Uh, usually, it's actually a good matchup against it. Unfortunately, yeah. he just drew incredibly poorly in his in his quarterfinal. But it was cool, and that's something we just wanted to highlight because it's always awesome when we see somebody – like because it's one of those things where everyone's like, oh, yeah, the dream, the dream. And the, the kid actually lived the dream of you know showing up to your first Grand Prix, not only making day two, not only kicking some butt and hitting the money, but putting up – not even making top eight, but – the natty 15 and 0. Yeah. And you know, I know the best part. What? He's going to be at, pro, at the pro tour next or for the next pro tour. Hell yeah. I hope he gets on a team. I hope, I hope somebody picks him up or he, he finds some guys that are in his local area that he can get together and test with because he seems like a perfect person that you're going to want on your team to help you kind of like figure out exactly what cards you need. But let's we'll see what someone happens. to take the rookie under the wing, you know, see if exactly. he's, see if he's got the chops to, Stick at that high level. Exactly. So we're going to go ahead and jump on into our main topic. We'll see how long this takes. Uh, Ian, when I told Ian about this, he was a little little hesitant. This would be a full full episode based on how much our show notes say. But I I think this is going to take a while because this is going to be something that I'm going to call our seething song. 
your seething song. This one's my seething song, but Ian, you can have your own seething song at some point. Uh, this yes. is this is John. This is episode ten, John's seething song, number one, because uh, I envision that we'll have multiples of these coming down the pike at some point. Uh, but, basically, basically, it's so and so rants. <laughs> yes, yes, and today we're going to talk about the reprint problem. Uh, so, uh, f- over the past few months, there have been a lot of articles and videos. Uh, most recently brought on by one by the professor a few weeks ago, talking about the reprints in Shadow over, Shadows Over Innistrad and how the the reprints that are in the set aren't ones that people are asking for. Well, but also, not only just that, but you also have to bring up the fact that over the last couple years, last year in particular, we had a Modern Masters set, which had a lot of modern staples reprints, and we're getting Eternal Masters this year. And we also had Conspiracy a year or two ago, and getting Conspiracy 2 this year, which has been an avenue where they have made reprints, albeit not a lot of crazy ones. I mean, they had like Stifle and stuff like that they in there. They had Stifle but... in this direction, they had Exploration, and it's only foil printing. Let me just put not... that... <laughs> yeah, well, and also not to mention the fact that they introduced Dak Faden... Deck Faden has been huge in the format through conspiracy, but that's not a reprint or anything like that. It's no, no, no. one of those where they can push it, the power it, level a little bit more than they can for regular sets. Correct. And I'm going to let John go on this point. Take it away, John. All right. So basically what the reprint problem kind of boils down to is enfranchised players, because this is only an issue for the enfranchised players. The new players, they probably don't care. If you've been playing since Innistrad, you're probably in a franchise like original Innistrad. You're probably in a franchise player. If you've been playing that's, since that's, Return to Ravnica, you're probably in a franchise player. I would even say that's pushing it to be perfect. To be perfectly honest with you, like time wise, like, like dude, I started playing right after Rav- Return to Ravnica came out. I mean, I know it's only been like two or three rotations, but even then, I was still picking up cards from Return to Ravnica's block and stuff like that. And I mean, again, I also started in Theros, so I would call myself an franchise player. Yeah, well, at this point, we've, we're entrenched enough in we, we have had, like, we've gone through an entire set's worth of cards. We've had go through uh, two or so uh, rotations. But I feel like <clears throat> players who've been playing for a little longer have, have have more of a, I guess, deserving of the title of enfranchise because they have a larger card base. <laughs> well, I mean, th- th- how you define enfranchised means essentially how much are you putting into the game uh, yourself? Like, are there players who are more enfranchised than either Ian or I? That's definitely the case. Like, if you've been playing since Lorwyn or Mirrodin or Onslaught or Tempest or even Alpha, you have more of a, quote, right to be called an enfranchised player. But that's not what this is about. This is about Wizards saying that they are going to reprint certain cards, specifically with Modern, which is the main kind of poster child for this, where they made Modern, which is going to be a non-rotating format, which has cards that they're willing to reprint so that it's more available than what happens in Legacy, because Legacy has this thing called the Reserve List, where a lot of the rares from older sets, they said, Wizards said that we're never going to print them. So we put them on a Reserve List. There's an actual list. <laughs> yeah, there's an actual list. You could look it up. There's an actual list of all the rares, aside from, like, I think they got, like, one or, they got, like, five rares, from each set that they got to, you know, save. Um, but all the commons and uncommons were safe, but all the rares they couldn't reprint. So, for example, that's why dual lands are very expensive. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why the power is very expensive, because those are all reserveless cards, and Wizards has promised never to print them in paper. Right, and this, yeah, and this stemmed from back in the earlier days. They made a set called Chronicles, 
which usually their avenue for reprints for Wizards for the most part has been they like introducing reprints through their core sets. Um, before the core sets, they basically used they had this one-off printing called Chronicles where they reprinted a bunch of cards that had at one point been relatively more expensive and collectors had, you know, decent saved up money saved up in these cards, I guess you could say. Yeah. And the problem is when they printed Chronicles, it was a set and they overprinted it and tanked so many prices of cards that people were like, what the hell? This had like two printings back in like alpha and beta. And now like Johnny and Jimmy down the street, have this card tammy's got it over here and now it's worth like 25 cents where this was like a 30 dollar card what the hell yeah and, and we're using these like lower prices because back in the day like tanking like a 30 or 40 dollar card maybe even like a hundred dollar card was a big deal nowadays you've got cards in the thousands and thousands of dollars where it's like you know that's where the issue is coming up but anyway so this whole chronicle thing almost like people have gone ad nauseum saying it was a knee-jerk reaction it was kind of a knee-jerk reaction but at the time they didn't have the player base they didn't have they weren't as entrenched in a community as, in a card game in as a company to really afford to be able to not put the reserve list in to try and save face with their player base that was so upset yeah the reserve list was really there to help save it because in the early to mid-90s, there were a lot of different fads that went on. For example, I was really into Beanie Babies in that time frame. And <laughs> Beanie Babies are a huge fad. Now look at, like, I'm pretty sure that all the, like, vintage Beanie Babies are not worth a lot. I mean, they might be. I could be wrong. But I remember that there were Beanie Babies now, that were literally, like, hundreds of dollars. They and, haven't held their value. No, they haven't held their value very well. But Magic, Wizards is, has very smartly kind of managed their values. And part of it to get the faith of the player base is in the reserve list. Now, this is not about the reserve list. It could be in a vague sense, but really it's not about the reserve list. Because um, recently there have been a lot of popular sets and popular returns that we've gone to. For example, going back to Zendikar was something that people were very happy about seeing. Going back to Industry was something that people were really happy about seeing. But people had some very unrealistic expectations. What do I mean by that? Well, there are some people who wanted to see Goblin Guide in Battle for Zendikar. I'm I'll admit right that was now, one of them. I'm going to tell you right now that that would be a bad idea. Because well, Goblin yeah. Guide is arguably the best red creature ever printed, and you're putting it in standard with a Tarka Red? All right, well, let's put it this way. At the time, a Tarka Red wasn't even like... No, I no, mean, I can, I can understand it futurally. <laughs> I can understand... No, no, I'm saying... At the it won Pro Tour Dragons of Tarkir. It won Pro Tour Magic Origins. I know it did, but I'm saying, like, these sets are being planned years and years out. So I'm sure the Future Future League found this and was like, like mm, there's a little card called Monastery Swift Spirit that's pretty damn good, too. Ouch. And then they had Zergo Bell Striker, so they would have had you would have had your pick between Goblin Guide, Zergo Bell Striker, and Monastery Swift Spear in why the not, same format. Why not all twelve? <laughs> nah, that's eleven. Yeah. You don't want you don't want four Zergos. Fair enough. Uh, then we had uh, Oath, of Ga- Oath of the Gatewatch, which was marketed as Kozilek set, and people were like, "Hey, great time for Inquisition of, Inquisition of Kozilek. It's a card that we need to reprint it. It's not there." Now, to, to their credit, they did say that they tested Inquisition of Kozilek. Aside from the flavor concerns with all the Eldrazi cards being devoid and this not being devoid, it also caused developmental problems. Yeah. And they, is, they, don't test is, eternal, they don't test eternal formats, and we all knew what happened with Eldrazi Winter because of that. Well, 
this is not about that. This is not about that. <laughs> oh no, I know, I know, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like you know. This is not about that. That's a whole other other topic. We're not going to get into that. I know. And then we go to Shadows of Innistrad, and people are like, great, awesome. Let's see Snapcaster Mage. And I'm sitting here holding my hand on my head going, what are you people? What like, world you, do you live in? Did you guys not see the non-reprint of Goblin Guide? Did you see the non-reprint of Inquisition of Kozilek? Did you this is, this not is, this, is, this is nothing to do with that. This has nothing to do with any of that. Well, no, no. But no, no but it's like everyone's like, oh, we see Snapcaster. Like, did you guys see those cards not get printed in those other sets? What makes you think they're going to do it here? Come on, guys. Basically... The whole reprint thing boils down, to me, to three main things. The first is cards in the four main releases that Wizards puts out every year. So the, the winter, spring, summer, fall sets. Those are all these standard sets. We call them the standard legal sets because they, that's how they are defined. There's also the various supplemental sets, and then you have the From the Vault, you know, the, from the Commander products and whatnot. But those are all the cards in the four main releases, and those are printed until there are no more printed ever. All right? And they're printed until Wizards says, nope, we're going to stop printing. Other sets like Modern Masters and From the Vault and some of the Commander products, those aren't necessarily printed as much to, to demand, per se. Or they don't have a highest demand as the standard legal sets. Yeah, Two. very true. Many of the people people want, or many of the cards people want reprinted in Modern or in Legacy if they're, on, if they're not on the reserve list are going to be problematic in standard. For example, Goblin Guide printing it in BFZ. Inquisition of Codes like printing it in Oath of the Gatewatch. Snapcaster with Liliana of the Veil and Shadows of Innistrad. Or the fact that they tested Liliana of the Veil in M15. Or the fact that people wanted... Um, what is the card I'm thinking of? It was just on the tip of my tongue. Darn it. Stone, Stoneforge Mystic? No, it wasn't Stony. It was not Misty. Uh, but people have wanted that reprint as well. Um, However, what's funnily enough is she probably could have made it into like with the Gatewatch and not majorly disrupted the format too much like she did before because we didn't have any of the swords. Like, I'll talk at, about that. I'll talk about saying, that. I'll, you're saying look at standard standard legal equipment. It's not I'm, great. That's a whole other topic. Oh, it, it was um, people wanted. Um, How is it a whole other topic? It's talking about a reprint. <laughs> I'm getting it's there. Very... I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, it was um, remember the art for con- for condescend, and, mm-hmm. not condescend, uh, contradict from Dragons of Tarkir. Yes. People thought that was Force of Will. I do remember that. That yeah. was hilarious. People wanting Force of Will, and the, a and card the, that but, defines legacy. <laughs> but the best part and the biggest troll job of it all is it costs three blue blue. I know. That's that's amazing. That does. Was, that was really great. It's like, oh my god! It's like, hey, you guys thought this was a force wheel. Guess what? It's got, got the same CMC. But, Deal with it. But most of those cards that people want reprinted in Modern or in Legacy are going to be problematic in Standard. Like if they put Goblin Guide in BFZ, remember Mono Red or essentially Mono Red won the won the previous two Pro Tours. Inquisition of Codes like pushes you know an already insane metagame where you have these essentially you know four to five color decks running around standard, which are four or five color control decks with adding Inquisition to their suite of removal. Or you go to, or you go to Shadows of Innistrad, you add in the Snapcaster Major Liliana of the Veil. And these cards are very powerful and they warp standard around them. And here's the thing. Here's number three. Here's my third point. First point, once again, it, these, that people want these cards in the main releases and the standard sets. Many of these cards are going to be problematic in standard. Wizards is not going to print cards that would make standard either boring or unfun. Bottom line 
into discussion. If they print a card that makes standard or limited, but but in this case that we're talking about standard, boring or unfun, they're not going to print it. And what, so, so what do you mean by boring or unfun? Just you know, just spell it out, like. So people, let's, people, let's oh, no, look, I'm saying I, I, I just want your version, like your definition of that, because you know people could have varying definitions of what boring or unfun so is. So Ian, you and I both played during the RTR Theros standard. I uh, was getting into standard, yes. Okay. Oh God, devotion. Yeah. Would you that call that? Sense. Would you call that standard boring or unfun? It was boring seeing the mono black versus mono blue mirrors consistently against each other. Yeah. Yes. The only person who thought that that standard was fun was Owen Turtenwald. I mean, that's because he was crushing GPs left and right. Or well, also even even flock with you know yeah. white blue sphinxes rev. Yeah. That standard essentially boiled down to thoughtseize.deck. Not not yeah. to say that every deck played Thoughtseize. Like Thoughtseize did not warp the format in the sense that you either were a Thoughtseize deck or you weren't, or you were against the Thoughtseize decks. No, no, that wasn't the case. But there were only three viable decks. There were really only three viable decks in that standard environment: mono black control, blue white or Esper control, and then mono blue devotion. Kind of, kind, of, kind of going back to before our time, quote yeah. unquote, our time. Quote. It's like Callblade days. Yeah. You either play Callblade or you play the deck that beat Callblade. Or to go even further back, you play, you go with original Mirrodin, where you were either the artifact deck or the deck that had a sideboard of 15 artifact destruction spells. Correct. Yeah. You're, you're basically playing a deck or a deck that beat that deck. And even then, Callblade, the deck that beat Callblade was Callblade. Yeah. Um. So... <laughs> This all got, kind of got started up again because the, the professor over at Tularean Community College recently put up a video about the reprint problem, and he, he jokingly started it with top five reprints in Shadows over Innistrad and how the only reprints are – it was like Unruly Mob, it was um, Unruly Mob, Gloom Widow, which was an Avacyn Restored, which shouldn't count, Mad Prophet, which was an Avacyn Restored and shouldn't count, and essentially making a point that Wizards is not putting enough reprints in these standard legal sets. We saw four, we saw four Innistrad block reprints in Shadows. What was the fourth one? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what it is, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. I'm spacing on it right, yeah. right now. And then it and because the professor has a very high cachet in the community, people started asking Mark on his blog. Um, and one of them, and I'm going to go oh, ahead. I got it. Deadweight. Deadweight. That's what it was. So he so Mark Rosewater put up a a an impromptu kind of poll on his blog. Which basically said, hey, what level of reprints do you want? And people keep saying they wanted more reprints. So here is here are two of the main quotes. Uh, one of them is from Mana Ramp Mataran. Uh, so much more um, reprints. MTG desperately needs reprints to keep the eternal formats viable for new and more casual players. Plus it keeps things simple for enfranchised players. If you can reprint a card, you already know it's simple to understand if the card makes sense in the set and is a staple card. Then new players can get a hold of it, then more easily transition into various formats because the new set that they collected a lot of happens to have some format staple cards. Mark's reply. Here's the problem. The vast majority of cards that matter in modern that are powerful enough to be relevant in a format with that many cards will horribly warp standard. We experimented in Theros with Thoughtseize and it went quite badly. As Ian and I have both attested, that standard environment was not very fun. I played a lot of brews in that format, and it never was something that I was very happy to play. Because I always ran into these weird decks where it's like this it's the mono black control deck, or it's the Esper or it's the Esper control deck, or it's the mono blue deck, and it's just it was the same three decks with like red green monsters kind of on the outside. And it wasn't a fun standard. And if you look at Theros's Theros's entire time in standard, you know what the top deck was? It was a black deck. 
it was modeled by Control, and then it was Abzan. And if it wasn't Abzan, it was um, Sultai with Sadisi Whip. <laughs> yeah, about that whip. I yeah. love that deck. Yeah, and I well, was on Abzan Whip for that standard. So I, either I mean, way, I, it was all oh, well, it was Thoughtseize I, decks. Let me put it this way: so my first brew was a Sultai Hexproof deck, which played Thoughtseize. Yeah. Then I then I transitioned into Abzan Whip. Yeah. Which played Thoughtseize. It's like yeah. Now, here is the next one, which is from a hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic Minnow, which is a really interesting name. That's uh, a mouthful. It is a mouthful. He says, you mentioned it's not okay, or I they guess said. I don't know. They, they said. said. You mentioned it's not okay to upset players, but to plenty of us, it's quite upsetting that we can't easily access and play the game competitively because of availability of cards. Should this be as much, if more of a concern? Magic is a game first. This is not Mark's reply. It's a concern. It's why things that Modern and Eternal Masters even exist. We're working to try and solve the problem, but, and this is crucial, we're trying to do it without creating new problems. It's very easy to make a video or write an article and say, just do X, when you truly don't understand the repercussions of doing X. As I said in my talk at GDC, which was uh, the Game Developers Conference, which is, he has an amazing he has amazing video, it's up on their YouTube, it's his 20, 20 Lessons in Magic. Players are excellent at identifying problems, but have a harder time solving them because they're not privy to the hundreds of issues and restrictions you have to deal with. I hear loud and clear that there is a player issue that needs to be met, and I promise you that we're trying to figure out ways to address it. But the solutions are not simple, and they're going to take time to solve. The TLDR, we hear you, give us time. So, can I just say something first? Go. Goddamn that shade that was thrown on the video <laughs> that the professor made, saying it's oh, easy God. to make a video right now article i mean very time very well, it's timely i mean it is timely. the video just came out it triggered the conversation again and it's, it's easy to make a video and it's like ooh, yeah we know exactly what he's talking about here i mean there's also hundreds of articles because again once a professor says something people tend to respond i mean i saw ari lax tweet something specifically about like thoughts he's was not fun yeah which was covered in the other one like pr- like pro players were just like yeah it wasn't fun no so here is my main concern with this entire debate and this entire thing. Whenever I hear players say this, whenever I hear players say, "Hey, I want to be able to get into modern. I don't need I shouldn't have to spend $120 on the on the secondary market to get Tarmogoyf. I shouldn't have to spend $50 on the secondary market to get a Mox Opal. I shouldn't have to spend $15 on a booster pack of Modern Masters for the chance of me opening a $100 bill." Every yeah, time lottery. Every time I hear that, I just want to, I, I hear players basically saying, I want Modern the Gathering. I want a box of four ofs of every staple in Modern that I can buy. Ian, how much would you pay for a box of Modern the Gathering? A playset of every card legal in Modern. Good lord, I don't even know. <laughs> like what, <laughs> way, what, way what to throw be... this question at me, John. <laughs> Could have had an answer prepared. No, um, we're talking like every card legal and modern That's every card playset playsets I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking i'm not talking like a playset of like every card in mirrodin every card in dark seal every card in fifth so i'm talking just so all right so you're talking well, are we going to go top 100 playables in top 100 played cards in modern kind of thing like that like I, can, I, I, can, I would even i would be happy restricting it to the top 100 cards played in modern playsets right now okay. how so much are you paying for it Jeez, uh, I'm drawing. Yeah, I. It would have to be at least ten thousand. 
Okay, so you so you would be. I, I'm, I'm probably super lowballing it there but, too. But your price point for that would be ten thousand dollars. What what I would pay for it or what I think it would cost? Like, what would you pay for it? Because would, it, it really depends on what you'd be willing to pay I would, for it. I would love to pay a lot less than that. Okay, but I'm just being realistic in terms of like what I you know. So. What about you? Well, I mean, I mean, I think the ten thousand is probably the right price point if you're looking at secondary market values. But what if I told you that hey. Let's say that I worked at Wizards. I don't. Full disclosure, I don't work at Wizards. But I say, okay, players, I hear what you're saying. You want to get into Modern. Okay. We're going to release Modern the Gathering. It is a playset of the top 100 cards played in Modern. It's going to be available at your local game stores, at Walmart, at Target for 50 bucks. What happens? Panic in the streets. People quit the game. Yes. But that's what I hear people want. That is exactly what I hear people want when they say these cards are too expensive. By the way, I used the love. I just used the lovely MTG Goldfish to look at the price list for modern staples. There are 236 cards total that track on this list. For one set of those 236 cards of modern staples, it costs just a hair under four thousand dollars. Yeah, for, for one. one. Okay. Of each. So a play set's roughly sixteen, anyways. But that's 236. So yeah. I think ten thousand. We actually did a good job nailing what yeah, it might close. for the top hundred cards. So, high so, five <laughs> anyways, but you know how you make make it so that people can play modern? You release modern the gathering. You have a you have a box set of the four of it of four of's of the top hundred cards or the top two hundred cards or whatever. You put it in the big box stores so the LGSs can't ramp up the prices, and you say go, and you print to demand. That's how you get people into modern. Because that's what I hear when I hear people say that. And it's, then it's no longer a trading card game. Exactly. You know what it is? It's a living card game. If you've never heard that term, it'd be, you'd be forgiven for not hearing it. Living card game is a trademark of Fantasy Flight Games. And they have – and here is their kind of spiel about the living card game. A living well, card give, game give, – give, give an example of something like that first. Before a living card game would be Netrunner. Okay. Um. It it's one of their it's actually it Netrunner the or Android Netrunner is actually a uh, licensed product from Wizards that Fantasy Flight produces as a living card game. Okay, tell us what a living card game is. So a living card game offers an innovative fixed distribution method that breaks away from the traditional collectible card game model. While S LCGs still offer the same dynamic, expanding, and constantly evolving gameplay that makes CCGs so much fun, they do away with the deterrent of the blind buy purchase model that has burned out so many players. The end result is an innovative mix that gives you the best of both worlds. The core set is the heart of, of an LCG. Each LCG's core set is a completely self-contained game experience packed with content, including high-quality game pieces and immersive game aids designed to enhance play. Additionally, each core set contains multiple decks that provide an exciting and infinitely replayable game experience right out of the box. While the core sets provide a fantastic standalone game experience, those that wish to can expand even further. Monthly installments called expansion packs, each with a full playset of fixed cards, provide ongoing and regular additions to the available card pool. These expansion packs add customization, variety, and an ongoing sense of theme to your experience with the game while evolving the play environment in exciting new ways. That is the blurb from Fantasy Flight Games' website. I won't lie. I know people. I have friends who don't who will only mostly play limited because construction is too expensive, and they play Netrunner and love Netrunner because of that. Yeah. Now, when I when I hear people say what I what we said, you know, that they want mm -hmm. to be able to get into modern because it's the the prices are too high, that they need to be reprinted more. I hear I want 
a box of Modern the Gathering that you send out to the big box stores and you sell for 30 bucks or you sell for 40 bucks. That's what I hear. That's, and then yeah. Magic is no longer a trading card game. It is now a living card game, which again is a trademark of Fantasy Flight Games. So mm-hmm. it's not something that Wizards wouldn't call it that if they did this, which they're not going to. There's no way hell would freeze over before they did something like this. Of course. Well, they would probably face some sort of litigation. <laughs> I mean, it would depend on how much you know about the legal system and whatnot, and whether it's well, like- right. I'm saying, I'm saying, somebody somewhere will probably try and throw together some sort of lawsuit, and as frivol- as frivolous as it might be, somebody somewhere will try to do it. Yeah. Um, however, then, like I said, it's no longer magic. The people who want to, who want this still want it to be magic. They still want to play magic, mm-hmm. but they want the cards to be available, and that is Wizards' biggest issue. They want to be able to have us have these cards. They want us to be able to play their game. But there are so many different factors in play that tear Wizards in so many different directions. And this is not even getting into the conspiracy theories. Because, oh my god, there are so many conspiracy theories. Oh my god. Um, And I don't even want to get into any of them because they're just so out there. It's just that what I see is I see people trying to you know, they're trying to use this argument that, you know, Wizards is trying to milk money out of us. They're trying to do so. They're trying to print. They're trying to make it so that they can milk as much money out of us as they can so that we can get into modern or get into legacy or whatever. And two things. One, duh, they're a company that sell us on buying cardboard. Well, yeah, like think about it. You said $50 for the entire modern set. How many are they going to actually sell? Exactly. Like, they they hit a limit, but no, I see that point. And then mean? you look at you know you look at the modern master sets, right? And those sell very well, but the MSRP is much lower than what the LGSs end up selling them for. For example, the MSRP of a of an original modern masters uh, pack was I think around seven dollars. Yeah, of course you can find them for fifteen. Well, my my local game store managed to get a case of them, and they're selling the packs for twenty four. Well, it's now. And it's now. Yeah, it's now. Um, and well, I guarantee well, you, you know, that the people thing is, that though, yeah, if you're saying, if you're using these prices now, you've got to take into account the fact that this was from 2013. You're, yeah. It's almost two years out of print easily. That is true. That is also a factor in its price. And then you look at Eternal Masters, and I guarantee you that those packs are not going to go for any less in a local game store than $15. We don't even know what MSRP is yet. And no, we're like, no like, the, MSRP, oh, really? the MSRP has been announced. Oh, right. That's I'm at 15, gonna, right? Eternal Masters announcement. But the uh, funny part is, is like we're a month out, and like I've actually, that's actually one of the newer things I'm seeing pop up now. It's not even reprints. It's like, uh, are we ever going to get any kind of news about Eternal Masters? Because it's coming out in like a month. <laughs> uh, June 10th. It's coming out in basically a month. MSRP, today, MSRP today is, is, May 5th. is $9.99. So they're, they're setting the price packs at the same as they did from Modern Masters 2015. Now, yeah. When I was 2015, initially prices packs spiked to like 12 bucks, 13 bucks pre-order wise, and then dropped when they saw the cards. Yeah. I actually tweeted today. I was like, like all I want to do is to be able to buy just one box of modern or Eternal Masters without getting gouged. Yeah. And people were like, what, what price would you want to pay? I'm like, as close to MSRP as humanly possible. Yeah. Anyways. Why? Why? I just want to draft it down the road. I'm not even caring about these reprints just yeah. to play it later things. But no, uh, the fact is, like, even with them reprinting Eternal Staples now, 
cost prohibitive. Yeah. Because, I mean, the other thing is, like, whenever you try to think of what, what you want to see out of Wizards, it's all, like, especially with when it comes to the reprints, is you need to understand what's, what, what first, what the game is. The game's a trading card game. Their main, um, their main vehicle for selling you cards is not, you know, hey, here's a deck, buy this. How many intro decks have you bought in the past year, Ian? Uh, two. Yeah. How many yeah, booster, I, how many booster I, packs? I, I, no, no, no. But I'll tell you, I'll have to, I have a reason why I bought two intro packs in the last year. I bought the ones that had Pia and Karen Noir specifically because the card, the promo card, Pia and Karen Noir was $12 and it's basically a free roll. It was a free roll to buy the intro deck for $15 because yeah. you had a booster pack or two in there already that could have had a Jace. Yeah. So, hey, there you go. Um, now, how many, Ian, if you had to guess, how many booster packs have you, have you bought either through drafting or just by buying for fun in the past year? Are we also including fat packs and booster boxes in this? Yes. No. Um, at least 100. Maybe easy. 100. Maybe 100. I mean, easy. Like, Here's the I mean, thing. That's like they make three, most of their money. Three, fat, three or four fat packs. So that's uh, eight. And a booster so box. Eight, that's 36. Or that thirty six. Already, that's already that's already about seventy plus whatever yeah. miscellaneous packs I bought. Yeah, so probably about a hundred. Yeah, and so you so an MSRP for a pack is four dollars, and you have it. You weren't paying MSRP for all those packs, but you know that's four hundred. That's four hundred dollars. Yeah, let's call it three fifty. Three fifty. Yeah. So you they Wizards makes more money off of your booster packs. Yeah. Than you buying any any other product that they have. Yep. It's, did it's I get true. did I did I get three hundred fifty dollars worth of value out of those? Maybe coming came close. Maybe depending on what rares you open, yeah. But that's but, that's that's the the gamble of a trading card game because a trading selling, card game is about excitement. It's about the unknown. It's about oh, what am I going to get out of this booster pack? It's so exciting. That's why that's why people love the cracker pack game. Yeah, they love. That's why like so many podcasts. Why do you think people podcasts, go crazy when Darium does their flip it or rip it? Like. LR's big thing, limited resources big thing is the crack pack at the beginning. Why do you think Marshall's yeah. like, uh, every time Luis or the, the crinkle of the, the wrapper on the other end, he's like, what are you doing? Stop, please, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the unknown. It's the excitement. Sure, it's the loss of value as well because you could have drafted it or you could have opened, a, I don't know, a Comet Storm. Yeah. And you wouldn't have been drafting it. If you're drafting at high five, you're opening for fun. Well, crap, I opened a Comet Storm. If you're, but if here's you're the thing. If you're drafting and having a seal pool like I did in Vegas, hey, that was my box, head. okay? Hmm. Hey, well, we, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I know you, you did. Pool. You did open a foil one. That's right. Um. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, it was great and limited. No problem there. Oh my god, it was great. Anyway, um, but yeah. So, reprint. but the thing is, like, there was somebody on Twitter. I think it was Saffron Olive. It might have been someone else or someone in that same kind of sphere of MTG that put up a poll that said, "Would you rather?" Have a modern master's product, have nothing but staples, or have a balanced limited environment. And the poll, I think, was pretty heavily in favor of the modern staples only. I guess I would fall outside the norm then because I'm cool with a limited format that's good. <laughs> yeah. Now I think it was I think it was even close. I think it was like 70, 75, 25 in favor <laughs> of modern staples. Yeah, but here's the thing. Actually, I don't think it was um, saffron olive. It was. I think it was like uh, Maddie. Whoever, whoever it was. Whoever it was doesn't matter. The point is, the people who are voting in that poll are not the people 
who are going to be buying most of the Modern Masters product. They're going to buy some because they're speculators. Or they're going to buy some because, hey, I could sit on this box for three years and make a bunch of money off of it. What I would would say, though, is even then on those kind of polls, you also got to look at how many Magic players are using Twitter. Who are the followers of it? Is it from the official Magic Twitter account? Do people even know this poll exists? Yeah, you're gonna get. You're only gonna get a certain cross section. So you can't even, like you can look at those kind of poll results. And I mean, I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate on this one right now. Yeah, because the P, I mean, from this just the sound of it, a lot of people who are in that cir- those circles seem to be more about card value than than actually draft, than draft formats. But I mean, it's not their problem. I mean, if they want to have a set that's Give me, give me the staples I need. Yeah, and you know, I and understand they can, why and they, they want can do that. that. Yeah, and they can totally have that. But however, what Wizard sees is players don't want to buy decks. They don't. They put out the they put out the modern event deck, and it didn't sell very well. However, <laughs> until you know what did sell well? The singles modern, from the modern event deck. <laughs> no, modern masters sold well. Modern Masters 2015 sold well. For all its problems, it sold well. They're doing more of these Masters products. They sell well because they're a booster product. And Wizards' main vector for their sales are through booster products. All right. Well, also, getting back to that Modern Event deck, you could also make a point that there was opportunity for reprints there that they didn't hit. It, it, the, the, modern, the Modern Event deck was March of the Multitudes, which was a white-black tokens strategy. Uh, they had a sword of feast and famine, yeah, which was a black, the black green related sword. They had an Elspeth Tyrrell. No, no, Elspeth Knight Errant. And Elspeth Knight Errant, right? Uh, Elspeth Knight Errant. In there, there was three, three, three path to exiles, three Inquisition of Kozilek. Uh Ask me how I know the numbers. I had to. It. I owned it. Yeah. yeah, I had to buy the singles to complete the actual set because yeah. I wasn't gonna. You know, I wasn't gonna run like. Some random like three of the event deck and then one from the Eldrazi says it's ridiculous, but no, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm that kind of player who has to have all my cards matched. That is totally like, okay. Nothing, there's nothing re- against there's it. One OCD kind of reasons, but also thought sees duress, hand attack, kind of thing like that. You your real information. If you have different versions or different card art, people can tell which ones you played. And anyway, aside from all that, like I got it at a steal because it came out i think it was msrp was like 60 70 bucks or yeah, something it's, like that. it was like 70 75 it did not sell well at all off no. the bat so people were putting it on ebay and car- stores were selling it for 35 a piece like i got mine for 35 yeah sealed from a card store 35 bucks yeah and nowadays you can't even part out the damn thing like if you wanted to buy it in its pieces, it's going to cost you well. It's like eighty or ninety bucks easily, like that. Yeah. So. But like, pe- player like Wizards has seen that people will buy booster products more than they'll buy decks. Yep. It's, just, it's just a fact. It's a fact, and we we, we don't have the data, and, and we're never going to see the data. But we can just look at kind of our anecdotal evidence, and we can make we can easily make a statement that says, "Hey, people aren't buying these modern decks that people made for them. They're not buying." You know the standard decks that they made for them, which is why they stopped the event decks. I wish they had kept going with the modern event deck. That seemed, I mean, granted to boost it up. Oh, I just pulled it up by the way. Like current price, if you were to part put it together, part piece by piece, now one hundred seventy dollars. Yeah, one hundred dollars over its MS, the original retail price. Yeah, 
But no, no, like it's it didn't sell. And I think that if they did it, I mean, granted, the standard event decks, people are like, oh, we wish they had the standard event decks back, but no one ever buys them. If they put together a decent modern event deck, hell, even if they say they put together a modern event deck that costs two hundred dollars, I would love to see the thought experiment behind what they like market research, blah blah blah, whatever. If they could be like, all right, we can put together a modern deck, competitive with maybe a few upgrades, include decent reprints because outside those things like Path to Exile, you know, Elspeth Knight Errant, Sword of Feast and Famine. I mean, the deck was what? It was, it got, was like Intangible Virtues, Raise the Alarm, Spectral Processions. Got four, four Caves of Koilos. People were thinking, oh my gosh, we might see, you know, reprint of the Fetchlands. Nope, Fetchlands. Uh, we got a Vault of the Archangel, though, which was, you know, it gives creatures death, death touch, and lifelink if you yep. pay for and tap for it. There's some Burnt and Forest Tenders in there, which is nice. There was Relic of Progenitus, which spiked a little bit, yeah. but it's still, for the three that are in there, you only pay 11 bucks. Dismember. Which you know. member? <laughs> uh, uh. So, but no, it's it's one that people were like, okay, we're cool, we're this modern event deck, and they saw that it was white black tokens. And I was like, that's not even really a viable strategy. But here's the thing: it's not Wizard's job to give us good decks. No, it's not. No, like, but I'm saying they, like, like they, Wizards, I'm saying, Wizards I'm saying, couldn't I'm saying print. They, I, I know what I'm you're saying. saying. They, they throw together like a two hundred, three hundred dollar modern event deck with some reprints in it that. You know, upgrading in another hundred, two hundred dollars will give you a five hundred dollar perfectly viable deck you can go take to a modern GP and hope to day two with. So you, what what you want to see is you want to see basically wizards go okay. I want to see the. This th- th- I just want to see a thought experiment behind it. See like what deck could you make, nerf it down, say a third to two thirds of its value. So like Jund. Like you want well, to see, like, that would be like that would be like eight that would be like eight hundred nine hundred dollars for the Jund deck. Well, that's the thing. People don't want the tier two decks as deck. They want they want the Jund deck. They want the Affinity deck. They want the Abzan Company deck. If you want to sell, if you if you want one of those to actually sell, you need to have it be one of the top tier decks. And Wizards is like if you look at their FFL testing, you'll notice that they don't have always they don't always have the best decks when it comes to whatever format. You could you could gimp a Merfolk deck by half and make it three hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, you could you could do that. But the thing is that again, it's not Wizards' job. Wizards is not again, no. The, the 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 numbers that we can't see probably still show that people still buy packs more than they buy decks, which is kind of the bottom line. And we we could do that thought experiment, but no, no, here's fine. the thing: how many people are going to buy a Merfolk deck? <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> how many? People, I would. I'll, I'll many, admit. I was just looking at like the top decks in the meta that were under $800 and there's like two it's infect and merfolk yeah you're looking at if you're looking at well I'm going with NTG goldfish modern metagame the top let's go 15 I think it's 15 decks here no 11 decks top 11 decks here Naya burn merfolk infect and a Art Green Tron deck all hit that 800 or below price point. That's it. Oh, Eldrazi and Taxes, so basically white, black, death and Taxes with Eldrazi. That's yeah. it. You're looking at five out of the top 12. Yeah. And you've got Jun, which is 2,000 bucks, two Obzon decks, or Obzon company decks, which are over $1,900. Obzon itself, 
which is eighteen hundred dollars. Burn, burn of all, all decks. It's a freaking nine hundred dollar deck. Yeah, because it has it runs every red fetch land. Well, right, but it's but it's still one of those things where you know, it's it's very tough, and I I do not envy at all the people who have to make the decisions at Wizards right now. No, I do not either. And then here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that we always need to keep in mind whenever we talk about Wizards and them printing and their and their printing decision, decisions and their reprinting decisions. Right now, Mark Rosewater and Eric Lauer and all the de- designers in R&D are not working on sets coming out in 2016. Eldritch Moon and Locke, the fall set, are probably already locked in place. Pun intended. Eldritch Moon is absolutely locked in place. I'm pretty sure Locke is all but... Like, the art's already... The I bet the art's already done for, for Locke. Off to the printers almost at this point. They are that's working what, that's currently... The, that's the fall set, right? Yeah. Yeah. They are currently working on sets in 2018. Yeah. They, like... So, so Mark Rose are hearing our pleas and hearing our wants for these reprints because how long have the people asked for a damnation, a damnation reprint? Every damn set. I know it's silly. Like they know, they hear us. They're not deaf. Especially the commander decks. (laughs) Especially the commander decks. They're not deaf. But there's so many times where they've been burned by this. Like if you look even at the oh, uh, 2013, how have we not even have we not even brought up the commander decks? As yeah, I was about to, I was about to talk about that. The 2013 commander product where they had um, true name nemesis in the Grixis deck, which was a fifty dollar card by itself, which basically meant that you could buy the deck from from Walmart for forty bucks, take it home, rip it apart, sell the true name nemesis for for forty or fifty bucks, sell the baleful strix for twelve, and then you're left with a bunch of slough cards. I did it. <laughs> yeah. Won't even, no, I, I got what it, I went to one of my LGS is they had a deal where it was like you pay, it was like 110 bucks to get all five of them. I was like, cool, did that. And then the whole uh, True Name Nemesis thing happened. And then I just popped over to like, when I was at Fort Hood, there was three Walmarts within 15 minutes driving distance. I popped over just to one of them and I was like, oh, cool. They have one. Went up to the counter. I was like, uh, okay, there was no price sticker on it. I'm like, can I get a price check on this? She's like, yeah. Bloop. She's like, isn't this the one that has that card in it? The cashier knew. Yeah. The freaking cashier knew, had known something about the fact that it was one that had a card that people wanted in. And the reason I was asking is because the card price was more than a damn box and I got it for MSRP. Yeah, so if Wizards tries home, to, if Wizards tries to put powerful yeah, if Wizards tries to put powerful cards in those decks, they destabilize the price of the decks, and they cause what happened with with that with that Commander product, where they basically had to put a separate shipping label, and have to have stores be able to order the Mind Seize deck. Yeah, they basically made it where it's like you got in your box like two or three, like you could order more in the box. You would get like you're like all right, how many Mind Seize decks do you want? You, be like order two or three and you would get a random assigning of the other four decks as your remaining allotment in that little tiny box yeah like it's like what the hell like the fact that they i mean yeah wizard wizards doesn't test eternal formats got it yeah the problem and and that is quite frankly that's an issue that they have with some of these secondary ancillary products they print now too. well here's the thing it's, I don't think it's an issue. It, 
But uh, all right, fine. <laughs> I no, no, agree. No, I agree no, that the players who are upset about this, they think of it as an issue. That the fact that Wizards did not realize that when they print all these stupid colorless cards that synergize well with Eldrazi Temple and Ivugan, okay. I was that right, I they would be. Gonna, I wasn't even going to touch the Eldrazi problem. Like, but that's yeah, that's but... that that is the current flagpole of that argument of that entire thing. Oh, no, it's it's definitely the standard bearer of that argument. But what you have to look at another thing is too. Like with even just reprints, putting them in standard, whatever. Like they have to be careful about reprints in these ancillary products. They can't just be like, "Screw it, we're going to put Damnation in one of the commander decks," because then that particular commander deck is going to be eight and eighty dollar commander deck, while everything else is like selling below MSRP. Yeah, they would have to do something like another commander's arsenal, or something again. Yeah, like make it modern arsenal or you know legacy arsenal. Yeah. But even then, they got to be limited in how many of those they print. <laughs> yeah. There's so many different moving cogs at Wizards that we, as the players, have no knowledge about and we will never have knowledge about. I just I just look at his, give us time, we hear you. Who the hell knows? Maybe they figured out some way in the next three years to address this issue that they can't tell us yet. Yeah. That's been like, I, I mean, when you got on that point, we kind of got sidetracked off of that. They're looking at things in 2018, 2019 already. Like maybe they've figured out a way, but they can't just say, look, we figured it out. Wait till 2018. Cause what's people going to do? They're just going to not play in 2016 and 2017. Yeah. They're going to wait for 2018 to come around. They like, can't, one of the they things can't, that people they can't were, say, they can't say, Hey guys, wait two years and we got this fixed. Yeah. Like, one of the, one of the, another thing along those, those same lines is that um, people were during battle for Zendikar spoilers there are people who are upset that we hadn't had any commander uh, spoilers for 2015. But Wizards has gone to this this model of we're going to hype the next thing really, really hard. And anything that comes after that, we're not going to talk about it right now. We're going to hype the next thing as hard as we can. Like we haven't hit Eldritch Moon yet and yeah. we haven't hit Eternal Masters. We're still in the... They're still riding the high off of, quite frankly, an amazing release. Yeah, Shadows of Innistrada is an Innistrad. amazing set. There's very few complaints, if at all, about it. Now, I want to say something about reprints and stuff, especially with this. We kind of touched on it in the beginning of the show with, look at Standard. Standard right now is an amazing rock, paper, scissors format. Yeah, because here's the thing. You can you can complain all you want about Wizards not printing the right cards for Modern or Wizards not reprinting Staples for Legacy. But you know what they have gotten right? They've gotten standard. standard right. And stand, and unfortunately, to the chagrin of many players, yes, me included, I'm kicking myself because I got into Delver and Twin right before they hit their peak, after they hit their peak, Delver especially, yeah. uh, because Treasure Cruise got banned out and I was already piecing together Delver last summer. And obviously Twin got banned out from under me three weeks after I finished building it. But, <laughs> of course... Guess what other deck I was looking at building? Uh, <laughs> be, besides Delver, I, I have Infect. Yeah. That's my main deck. The deck I was looking to build, I was like, it's either this deck or Delver, was Obzon Company. Yeah. <laughs> Which at the time I could have built last summer for like 500 bucks. And too late. <laughs> now it's, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> but here's the thing. But yeah, Wizards, ca Wizards Cash Cow, for the, for the phrase that people keep using, is standard and limited. Standard okay. Limit. Now there are people. There are people. Oh, these people make me so mad when they see cards spoiled and they go, "Just limited fodder. This set is crap." That's a, this, this, this yeah, is an entire. This is an entire podcast in and of itself, with the whole pre-release and spoiler season 
play people, but it's. I just want. I just want to play a game. Magic's a game. <laughs> it's fun. Magic is fun. That's what magic so, is. So, so, like, so, what are you hating on with all this? Like, like what? I know you you have this beef with the reprints and stuff like that. What do you think? There's a solution to this. I think there's a solution, but I think that it's gonna like any solution that Wizards come up with, people people aren't gonna like. Like, you can't make everybody happy in this in this situation. You can't always get what you want. But you, if you try, sometimes you might find you get what you need. But like, hey, com- collect a company. Yeah, Collective Company was standard, a card. Break card and standard. It's actually starting to warp the modern meta. Yeah. Like, it's great. It warped the standard meta. It warped the modern meta. It, and it's a card that, like, for a while was just like, oh, pff, whatever. Yeah. Wizards printed Collective Company not thinking it was going to be a good deck. They, <laughs> they thought it was, just, it was just a cool build around me rare. <laughs> Surprise. Um, there's already peop- there's already rumors that they might have to end up banning it. It's the next pod, basically, is what they're saying. Uh, Brian Demars wrote a great article on on CFB this week. It was amazing. How it's the next twin? I oh, be, before we get, we're just gonna put this that particular banning issue to rest right now. Saying modern's a healthy format. Yeah, modern's healthy right now. Think, there's a lot think, of different I decks. Think, I think we're going to see more unbannings before we see more bannings again. But I agree. That aside, reprints. <laughs> yeah, we we like. I want reprints. I do want reprints. I do. I really do. I'm not trying to hate on the people who want the reprints. I want to be able to play my, you know, I don't know, Snapcaster Mages in standard. I want to be able to play. I mean, Snapcaster is probably a bad example, but I want to be able to play my modern cards or the cards that I have for my older sets in standard. I do. I really do. But the thing is, you have to put everything in perspective. You have to be able to look at what's going on in a format, or what's going on in standard, or what's going on kind of in the sets around your set's release, so you can get an idea of what's going on. Like, except, except, or expecting Goblin Guide and BFZ was unreasonable. Expecting Inquisition, that was more reasonable, but you have to understand that, you know, they're going to test these cards in standard till Hell Freeze is over. And they're not going to solve the metagame, because if they solve the metagame, we're going to solve it in 24 hours. But you have to understand that there's these cards that people love, that people want to play with. Like, people want to play with Stoneforge Mystic. I totally agree, Ian. People want to play with Stoneforge Mystic. But if you put it in standard with no good equipment, no one's going to be happy. No, no, no. But that's what I was saying. Like, it was a case where no one's going to be happy that got reprinted, because if you reprint something like Stoneforge Mystic, it's like, damn, I want to play with Stoneforge Mystic. And if you don't get to play with Stoneforge Mystic, what's the damn point? That's literally a reprint for reprint's sake. Yeah. And I, I kind of like, we got off that little, we got shunted way off that topic before I got to it. But it's a case where, like I said, it's a reprint for reprint's sake at that point. We don't have the swords in standard. I th- what we, All right. Spitball. What's the best equipment in standard right now? Uh, Slayer's Plate. Simply because it has synergy with humans, right? Yeah, probably. That that's my that's that's my guess. I'd have to look at the other equipment in standard right now, but I think but, that, that that would be that would be my my my, po- my point is what tier one deck right now in standard plays equipment main deck or at all in the seventy five? None. Exactly. Like back in the day when Stoneforge Mystic was, was there, they had main deck worthy equipment. You print reprint her again. Like I mean, everyone's like, oh my god, she's the GP promo she's gonna be unbanned and it's like surprise we got you we're unbanning Thopter Founder <laughs> we're unbanning Thopters 
No, 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 that was before the it PT. Was sort of... That was that was when they uh banned Splinter Twin and they well, banned no, no, Summer Bloom. Well, no, no, but I'm saying like they they later unbanned Sword of the Meek to bring back Thopters. Everyone's just like you, yeah. you unbanned an equ- you unbanned an equipment that's yeah okay yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so after let me looking- tell you what though, Sword of the Meek would have been hilarious and standard right now. Uh, what's it synergize well with? Humans. Oh yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, but it has to go to the graveyard. Doctor Dex. How do you get rid of it in, in standard? Uh, we have a whole bunch of cards that dump stuff in the graveyard right now. Eh, fair enough. I guess you, I guess it would make Angelic somebody standard the jank the jank delirium cards would start being crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, my other nominee for best equipment in standard is Helm of the Gods and the right deck. Okay. Yeah. After but, that, after that, it would be like Captain's Claws or Stoneforge Masterwork, which are not good. Anyways, right. <laughs> but but that my point is like at that point, that's another thing too. But you have to have they have to balance like people. I mean, also Stoneforge is banned in modern. Yeah. So there's no real like the only draw for Stoneforge right now is for people who want it for Commander, and people legacy. who want it for Legacy, or people who want it for stuff like Canadian Highlander. Cough cough. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Seriously, it sounds like you have a stake in that one. Uh, dude, guess where my GP promo is going from GP Minneapolis? It's in that deck, yeah. right? In that deck, yeah. So the my the big thing with the reprint problem is not that Wizards is, hates us. That Wizard Wizards doesn't hate us. Wizards is not holding back the goods from us. They're not like you know what? Next year we're gonna give them one reprint. No, they want us to play with their cards. They want us to be able to play the format, but they're not gonna compromise standard for reprinting a good card. Next they're, year we're getting damnation. Woo! They're not gonna. They're not gonna compromise. Like here's a, here's another big thing. I'm kidding. Uh, we're if, never. If, we're never. We're never seeing damnation. Shit. We barely get five. We get, we barely get five mana unconditional board wipes anymore. Well, it's five mana uh, upside wraths. Anyways, point being, um, this is one of the big things. Like, um, if you if you ever care about magic design. Go watch Extra Credit, specifically their episodes on power creep and, and trading card games. They use Hearthstone as the example, but it really kind of hits home with you, kind of, or hits home with me, how they have to manage these types of things. Because power creep kills games. And Wizards could keep printing more powerful, more powerful, more powerful cards, but then your old cards become worthless. Right? Just and, look at, isn't that like basically the case with Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah. Like Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon do this. Like Pokemon reprints things so that it's affordable for little kids because Pokemon is actually marketed to for to ten year olds. But also everything you had in the last set basically just becomes like it's like why would I even play with that? Everything that just came out is way more powerful anyway. No. I mean they literally reprint they literally printed Time Spiral in Pokemon and then they had to ban it. <laughs> like it's literal Time Spiral. Look up Lysander's Gambit whenever you have the chance. It's literal Time Spiral and they had to ban it. Nice, uh, but like it's just this idea. Like the pl- people who are really enfranchised, who are upset at the lack of these reprints, are not are a very very vocal minority. Like people like Ian and I, we are in a minority. Not not because we have a podcast to talk to people about, to talk to people at, or the fact that we have like Ian has a Twitch stream. It's not because of that. It's because we are heavily enfranchised players who want to see these reprints. Like, I would love to be able to get a place at a Goblin Guide so I can play Modern Burn. 
Oh my god, I'm so happy I got mine last summer when they were cheaper. <laughs> yeah, like it's exactly that thing, but it's. Just... Yeah, and, and well, that's another thing too is like for a player like me, I if I want to be like, hey, maybe I want to play Burn down the road, I have to look and judge the mar- like I have to start playing the finance game and judge. I'm like, all right, is this card gonna just suddenly shoot up in value? Do I need to buy this now? You know, or and take the risk of oh god they reprinted it now my card that I spent thirty dollars on is now ten, selling for ten dollars, but then it's I mean, trying to bring it back to Thoughtseize it was like a fifty six it was, it was like sixty some dollar plus before it got reprinted in Theros it yeah. dropped like a twenty dollar card then it dropped and it is lowest like fifteen and now it's back up to twenty five again yeah and that's the, and that's the Theros version the, the Thoughtseize version I think is at thirty or so. Yeah, from uh, Lorwyn. Yeah, the original one. No, but it's it's one of those like I just it's really hard to to, to balance that out. Yeah, like, I I I was like I want this GP promo Goblin Guide because I was building Legacy Burn, and I'm like I either need to buy this now or risk paying out the butt later. And because Goblin Guide just kept going up, kept going up, and then Battle for Zendikar was spoiled. Then come out Battle for Zendikar, and it started spiking. So I'm like, all right, I bought into the spike which luckily kept going up yeah but but still it's just one of those things where the funny part is is we look at we see cards like this that have ancillary reprints as well it got reprinted while it was in standard outside of booster packs yeah it was in an event deck yeah so it was done for and it's and it's still insane still going up like it's one of those like even if you were to reprint it again once you meet set, once you meet demand and give it a couple of years, like you could, it's it's the issue that happened with Modern Masters. Like you increase demand for that particular s- chunk of cards, and then the price is going to keep going up. Yeah, but, I don't but know. I, I just, this is a whole another thing, and like we, we're already at the hour mark, and I think that we could do this for another hour. It's it's a very hot topic. I there's, I know what's your just. Give me your opinion on this whole thing. Just boil it down. Give me what you think should be done or what can be done. Break. I think I think that what I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. What I think is going to happen is that Wizards is going to keep printing these Masters products. I think that they are going to find these. They're going to try and find new vectors for trying to get the cards that players want to their hands through the means that Wizards has available to them, and they're going to do so in a way that does not compromise standard. That does not make standard boring or unfun they're going to try and find ways to put these cards into places where they will shine they'll be fun but they're not going to warp anything and unfortunately that probably means that the cards like goblin guide or inquisition or snapcaster or liliana or tarmogoyf are not going to be c print and standard it's a sad fact but i don't think that there's a standard environment that you can make that they can print tarmogoyf and people not be upset it would could potentially warp the format. Tarmogoyf's a tar, Tarmogoyf's a weird case. It's I, like if you put if you printed it now, it'd be absurd. If you printed yeah. it in cons with Fetchlands, it'd be absurd. You can you can if even you printed look at, it in Theros RTR. <sighs> would it be absurd? It might have changed how people played the meta from the devotion decks a little bit. But here's I mean, the thing, look, like, look, I, right, with, look, with, we have, with a card like, like, like Tarmogoyf, with a card like Tarmogoyf, it's exactly the same as a card like Stoneforge Mystic. It's just like a card like Snapcaster or Liliana of the Veil or Goblin Guide. 
either they're the best thing you can do and why aren't you playing it, or they're terrible. Like we got with there's uh, no, Yeah, there's no middle ground. Simprotter basically reversed the... Dark Confidant. Dark Confidant mechanic. And it's okay-ish. If it was a 2-mana two 2-1, two it'd be better. Right, but that's the thing. Like, it got probably it probably got an increased converted mana cost just solely based off of Dark Confidant being a thing. Yeah, or because it was too powerful and standard in their FFL testing. Or too powerful and limited. That's a little bit harder to sell. They are, yeah, standard but also limited. Like there are cards. You're like, if this card was literally three mana instead of four mana, it would be straight busted. Yeah. In limited. Yeah. In standard, four mana, fine. Amazing card in standard. But if you put it at three mana in limited, it would destroy you. Anyways, I think that kind of wraps it up. Yeah. Unless unless there's any final thoughts that you want to throw in there, Ian. For me, I I really echo your thoughts on this. Like, (laughs) I understand why people are upset we're not getting some of these reprints in standard i would love to see some of these reprints in standard but at the same time i also understand that it would just probably break a format and looking at wizards has i feel has done a masterful job so far to create a very fun and engaging and like i said earlier rock paper scissors-esque uh standard format where you can go with your bank company deck, even though so many damn decks out there right now are gunning for it and have such main deck hate for it, and it's still putting four or five copies in a top 32. Yeah. Just because of luck and player skill. People are able to bring crazy brews like Pyromancer's Goggles, which came out of freaking nowhere. Yeah. And was just like... You know, bulk rare, bulk mythic, whatever it is. It was a bulk card for a while. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, look at all these crazy stuff we can do with these discard cards now. And everyone's just like, holy crap, let's build a ramp deck around that. Or it's like, let's build a control deck around this. And it's like, let's build a ramp deck around this and start pooping out Ulamog stupidly quick. Yeah. It's, you wouldn't see those crazy kind of cards like cryptolith rights like the aristocrypt or arista rights deck like the black or the now the four color rights deck which essentially has a combo that you can generate an unlimited kill yeah off of it which is basically for those it's just you know you have Zulbor cutthroat uh eldrazi displacer brood monitor produces three tokens you sack it to the eldrazi displacer bounce it those three die you drain three you Drain three with his Zolport Cutthroat, bouncing the Brood Monitor back, which gets you three more, which you use to create an infinite loop, draining him for infinite amount of life. That kind of stuff wouldn't be viable if I mean it would still be viable. You just would people wouldn't go out of their way to brew these crazy decks. Or they would, it just wouldn't be as prevalent. Because people would try to net deck the crap out of the hot new, the latest and greatest Snapcaster deck. Yeah, but I mean, granted, granted, we don't have a whole lot of amazing Snapcaster hits right now. But it's still one of those things that people would try to build these decks, and it, it's. I, I have to say, I hate, I have to say it, but I'm just putting my faith in Wizards right now. Yeah. Whether or not, 
it's kind of weird to say, give me two years to get back on this, but seriously, 2018, get back to me on this kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I don't even know where we'll be in two years. Yeah. If this, if we're still be, I would love to still be doing this podcast in two years. It'd be great. We'd be like, what episode 100 plus? Yeah. At this 50, point, 52 weeks in a year. If we don't, if we don't make breaks, no, we probably <laughs> might hit a break or two for holidays, but. Oh, Desert Bus too. <laughs> no, Desert Bus Live. <laughs> oh God, uh, no. But anyway, so it's one of those things where we'll probably be like over we'll be what, over a hundred episodes at that point, and who knows what will happen. But I have my I'm putting my faith in Wizards. I'm still going to play this game. I'm still going to love this game. I'm not selling out of this right now. It's a big part of my life. It's fun. I enjoy it. I have a lot of great friends because of it, and. Yeah, screw reprints, but you know, I trust that they'll put them. We'll, they'll get them into our hands one way, shape, or form. I mean, we had promos and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, like you can say, oh, when you reprint a Snapcaster and they reprint a mod, like a, a art, like a regional Pro Tour qualifier, yeah, copy of it, and it's like it's not getting into our hands. It's like, well, you know what? Fine, let the, the people who have those fancy art versions of it, whatever. It's just, just let it go. See how it goes. Yeah. Who knows? We they might surprise us in Eldritch Moon. Yeah. We'll 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 see. I mean, Magic is still a fun game, and that's what I always will back around. Like I know it's scary to put the, put your trust in wizards, and I know that there are people who, who are probably not listening to this podcast, but they probably should. Who go like, look, I want to see these cards, and that's like that's fine. But put your faith in wizards. They're not idiots. They know what they're doing. People enjoy knee-jerk reactions. Yeah, it's welcome to welcome to the real world. So let's go ahead and close it out here. Ian, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter, spitting all kinds of craziness about sports and magic and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, it's Dixon IJ. That's D I X O N I J on Twitter, and you can find me on Twitch streaming. I've been trying to stream more, but. You know, life and work get in the way. But anyway, I'll be streaming more coming up standard. I'm putting together black, white, mid range. Yep. Along with my band company deck, uh, I'll be streaming a bunch of standard over the next two, three weeks prepping yep. for GP Minneapolis. So if you guys are going to be GP Minneapolis, please hit me up on Twitter and maybe we'll try and get together, hang out, whatever, meet up, say hi. Yep. All the good stuff. John, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. I'm also on Twitch by that same handle. I don't stream, if at all. I think I streamed like a total of two times, but we'll see if, if it's something down the line comes up where I might be able to have opportunity and time to stream. You guessed uh, on my stream. <laughs> I, I guess on Ian's stream a few times, so you might see me there occasionally. Uh, if you need to reach the podcast, we have a, we have a Gmail, eyesonthemise at gmail.com if, you want to, if it's something a little personal. We also are on Twitter at eyesonthemise. We've been posting up uh, reprints or re- retweets of pertinent things, and we're still doing our daily cube packs. Which are getting uh, getting a little bit of a uh, little bit more uh, more replies rate of late, so that's really exciting. I you know what I gotta say, I think you doing those daily cube packs has launched a lot of people into starting putting. I've I've noticed a definite uptick in the amount of daily cube packs that get posted ever since you started doing that. Now my question, now the big thing is that no one's using the hashtag. Only I'm using the hashtag. <laughs> Even then, I'm still seeing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Popping a lot, up lot of a lot of pack one pick ones are popping up. So that's that is great. Anyways, uh, that's it for us. I'm glad that you were you guys have been able to survive my uh, seething song. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this five red mana now. I guess I'll have to do something with it. Um, good thing mana is not a thing anymore. Storm out. <laughs> All right, and that's gonna be it for us, guys.
Have a good evening.